Welcome on in to the Superintendent Radio Network and episode 22 of Beyond the Page, the podcast that takes you a little deeper into the stories and columns in Golf Course Industry Magazine. I'm Matt Lowell, Managing Editor of Golf Course Industry, and I'm a little late this week. Day and change late. Apologies for that, especially if you subscribe to the Superintendent Radio Network and you like to listen to these on Tuesdays. Beautiful thing about podcasts, you can listen to them anytime, anywhere, you can binge them. I'm a good three or four days behind on my own feed. I'm living in Sunday still. Anyway, two bits of good news. First, my guest on this episode of Beyond the Page is Chad Allen. Chad is an assistant superintendent at the club at Chatham Hills. That's a Westfield, Indiana property that features 27 holes designed by the late great Pete Dye. Chad wrote a guest column for our August issue. It's online now at www.golfcourseindustry.com slash magazine about the value of perfect timing. Chad has a great story to tell from a midlife career switch to putting so much of his life in order, the lessons that others can learn from his hurdles, and a lot more. We talked for maybe 40 minutes. I feel like we could have hung out and and talked all day. Uh, I think you'll really like this conversation. Second, there will be a second episode of Beyond the Page online and on your preferred podcast platform a little later this week with another person who pops up in our August issue. That should be another great conversation. Consider it just a little bonus for my being late this week. All right, Chad Allen, Assistant Superintendent at the Club at Chatham Hills after the break. Chad, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm good, Matt. Thanks for having me on. In case folks skipped the first minute, minute and a half of this episode of Beyond the Page, you are the assistant superintendent at the club at Chatham Hills in Westfield, Indiana. Also, a guest columnist in the August issue, Perfect Timing, a great column. It's available online right now at golfcourseindustry.com slash magazine. Look for Perfect Timing. It is a great column, and it talks a lot about how things might not always line up how you maybe want them to, but they always wind up, probably in the end, how they should. Uh, Before we get into the, really the thick of the column, in case folks are not familiar with you, how long have you been in the industry? So this is my sixth year in the industry. I've been um, been an assistant for... Four years, I'm oh, sorry, five years. Um, the first two years I was a second assistant. These last three years I've been a uh, first assistant superintendent. And you mentioned right before we started recording, you're 41. You've got a few years on me. Yeah. You're, you're the exact same age as golf course industry editor-in-chief Guy Cipriano. 41's a good age. Uh, so <laughs> you, you entered the golf industry not later in life, but you were in your mid-30s. What, what were you doing before then? So... Prior to that, I worked for several years as a substance abuse counselor for a non-for-profit in uh, central Indiana. I worked with uh, men and women who were um, struggling with uh, substance abuse disorders, um, working with them, getting them back on track, uh, working as kind of like a case manager, 
Um, I would uh, help them get housing. I would help them find sober living facilities for them. We would work on budgeting. We would work on, you know, lifestyle changes. Um, just a whole gambit of getting people back on their feet and getting them back to a life that they deserve. Very important work. Very, I'm sure, mentally and emotionally draining work and very different from getting up at 3 or 3.30 or 4 and going out to the golf course for, for more physical labor, uh, more so than, than mental labor a lot of times, I'm sure. Yes, yes. It was. It, it couldn't be more opposite than what I was doing right now. I was inside a lot. I worked a lot from the desk. Um, the hours were different. The stress level was different. But, um, you know, I, I, I loved my time working in that industry, um, but um, I, I needed to get out. I felt myself dwindling down, and I felt myself um, not being where I should be both uh, mentally and emotionally. Uh, my brother, who is a superintendent as well, has been in the industry for 20-plus years, um, I worked with him <clears throat> several times in the past, you know, when I was younger, and um, he said, hey, man, why don't you come out to the golf course and, you know, get yourself back together and whatever you decide you want to do, you can just you can just hang out here for the time being to, uh, you know, kind of have a gap, a gap year. And um, lo and behold, I, I fell in love, and I fell in love hard. And, um, you know, I've, I've been nonstop ever since, and, you know, I'm, I'm eternally grateful for him giving me that opportunity to get back into it at an at a you know a, a little bit later stage in life but I think it was and I hate to be cliche but I, had, I think it was perfect timing I think it, <laughs> everything prior to that worked out worked out extremely well and and now um, I am I am a turf head uh, through and through so a gap year becomes really just not only the next chapter in your career and in your life but probably you know, you're 41, you've been in since you were 35, I mean, probably 25 or 30 years, your body willing. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, this, this is it for me. I, I went back to school. Um, I had already previously got a degree, and I went back and got my um, advanced certificate from Penn State in turf management. And, um, you know, I've just I, – I, I know this is where I, where I should be, and – you know, I, it's just not a question for me. Every day I wake up grateful that, that I'm in this industry and I have the opportunity to learn something new every day. So you say that your move from being a substance abuse counselor over to working on golf courses, perfect timing. That is, of course, the headline of your column in the August issue. Just one real quick paragraph, and then we can dive in. I have some, some questions about what prompted this and, and where you were in your career. You write, timing is one of the most critical elements in implementing an agronomic plan. You must time your pre-emergent, your PGR, your fungicide applications. You even need to time your time off. And that's, that's a whole other discussion is, is people in this industry and every other industry actually taking vacation days. Um, that's correct, yes. You wrote that you internalized your frustrations at the course. Mm-hmm. How, did, how did that affect your performance, Chad? Um, I became, I became a, a, a person that I'd never been before. I became what I would describe as a, as a micromanager. I was, I was very, 
was uh, I was I was very kind of in people's way. I was I felt that my way was the best way, and that everybody needed to be doing it that way. Um, instead of giving people opportunities to make mistakes and to learn from them, I would be kind of stalking in the bushes, waiting for them to fail, and then come up to them and. You know, instead of being encouraging, I was more like, well, if you would have done it my way, it, this would have never happened. Um, it, it was it was a, to say it's a very poor management style is, isn't enough. It, it in, inhibited growth of our staff, um, and team cohesion was just, it was just non-existent. Um, you know, kind of on a personal level, I let that anger and frustration carry over to my home life, and I was short, and I was disconnected with my wife and our daughter, and um, it, it was just I couldn't let go of work because I always felt like uh, I knew the right thing to do, and I had to let somebody know, and I could never get out get get out of the way of it, and it was just almost uh, overwhelming in a negative way. And you two are still pretty new parents. I think you said you have a four-year-old. So it's at that age where she's able to have some autonomy. She's able to do things on her own, but she's still very reliant on you two for pretty much everything uh, to a large degree. So I, I can imagine you're coming home and, and you know, it's tough when you know, you've got you know, just long hours. You've got a, a four-year-old who wants your attention, and that's great, but probably also needs a lot of help. Uh, and then it's probably yeah, going yeah, to bed pretty shortly afterward, too. Yeah, yeah. There was, there was, no, there was no time. It was, I never decompressed because I was always on. Right. I never – I was always – if I wasn't stewing about, you know, things that are going on at work that I didn't understand, I was stewing about the guys who weren't doing what I asked them to do. I was stewing about um, – you know, an a, a argument that me and my wife got on, got into that was over absolutely nothing. Um, you know, I was stewing about my daughter who was doing nothing wrong, but maybe she was just having a bad day and she was crying. So it was like I was constantly on all the time, and it was it was taking a toll on me and my family. You applied for at least one different job, if not different jobs, plural, at some point. How long... Were you in this this kind of state of your your career this this tunnel of of frustration mm-hmm. uh, before you applied elsewhere? And and spoiler alert for folks who haven't read the column, you didn't leave because uh, it wasn't the right fit. It wasn't perfect timing, but you did apply elsewhere just for a, a change of scenery, I guess. Yeah, so I was there for at that that probably six more months, and it was it was it was miserable. It was it was miserable, and and then. I decided that I, you know, I needed a new place of employment because if I changed my environment, everything would settle down. And, and I mean, that's it's funny coming from me because if anybody's in the substance abuse field knows that just because you change your place doesn't mean you change yourself. So I was I was kind of just hoping that if I just found somewhere else, um, and then I was in charge, that everything would 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 be okay, and um, it, 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 it's not the right way to, it's not the right mindset to have. It was, it was completely wrong. You mentioned just a second ago 
kind of harkening back to your years as a substance abuse counselor and, and you, know, you can't change your situation just by changing your locale. How much did you lean on that experience uh, working with, with folks in substance abuse during that time in your life? Because obviously it's not, you know, it's, it's not substance abuse, but it's, it is a different kind of, of really mental abuse on your mind and, and your, your emotions and everything. Yeah, so for me, um, I have I'm, I'm rooted in my personal faith, and it's it's big for me. And I lean on on that. I lean on my family. I lean on my support network. Um, I I I did my best to talk about how I felt at, at the time. Um, but yeah, I mean. I pray a lot, Matt. I'll be honest with you. I just I pray a lot, and I and I and I look, I look inward, and I and I try to try to think about the next right thing to do. It's once again, if you're familiar with the substance abuse field, there's a lot of things, and there's a lot of things that that they they preach to you that um, regardless of where you're at in life, whether you have an addiction or you're just a you're just a regular guy, these things doing the right doing the next right thing. Uh, take first things first. These types of things really can put things in perspective and it really works for me. I don't know a lot of these sayings. I do know do the next right thing because like you, I have a young daughter and I, we did see Frozen 2 in the movie theaters three times and that's one, <laughs> yes. that's one of the songs, do the next right thing. Take a right. step, step again. <laughs> there's, there's, it's stuck in my head for what almost two years now yeah it'll never leave it's never gonna leave Matt. it's there for life don't worry don't worry it's there in in your own situation chad um you did receive an offer somewhere else mm-hmm. uh you wrote in your column the timing was off for you and for your family uh and, and again every Buddy is a different person. Every person is a different person. Every situation is a different situation. What was off about yours? What what didn't feel right uh, when when sure. you got that offer? Sure. So let me tell you what about what did feel right first. Sure. It was a uh, eighteen hole golf course that was just down the road from where I lived. Where I was working at before was a sixty minute drive to work. Um, this place was ten fifteen minutes down the road. Um, they said that they were looking to grow and expand the maintenance budget, and they wanted a forward-thinking leader who who could take them to the next level. Um, and then the icing on the cake, of course, was they offered me twenty more, twenty k more a year than what I was currently making. So I kind of kind of got blinded by that stuff, and um, I went home that that night, and I sat down with my wife and. She obviously um, has the ability to set me straight. Um, and we talked about not only the, the positives but the negatives. And, and I started to recognize some things. They had uh, older equipment, which is fine. Uh, I'm pretty mechanically sound. so And they didn't have a mechanic, so I would just take care of that. No big deal. Um, the staff consisted of would be me and um, four retired people. Um, I'm a hard worker. I can I can do manual labor. So whatever they didn't get to, I, I take care of that myself. 
let's see, the, the, uh, they had a member who applied all the fertilizers and, and uh, plant protectants. So, you know, I would take over that as, as, that as well. So I started looking at these things, and, and while the, there was a lot of pros to it, um, they all added up to, to the cons all added up to one thing, which was a quality of life. Uh, for me and my family, that was was unacceptable. I would have been working 70, 80 hours a week, and I would have worked that. I I think I'm like a lot of assistants where we, and a lot of people in the industry for that fact, we grind, man. We grind, we grind, we grind, and, and, and um, we have such high standards and expectations for ourselves that sometimes we don't know when to shut that off. And the people that pay the price for that are the ones that, that we love the most that are the most important to us. So I knew right then and there that while this opportunity, I was blessed to have the opportunity to become a superintendent, um, it wasn't the right blessing for me at, the, at that time in my life. So, um, you know, I, I declined it, and um, I kept moving forward. You would have spent probably... 10 to 14 hours less a week on your commute probably would have spent Mm -hmm. 20 to 30 more hours a week, at least on the course. And with everything that you laid out, you were doing a lot more, I'm sure than 20,000 extra dollars worth of work with everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, yeah, there's no, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. They would, they would have had me out of bargain, but you know, sometimes us assistants as, as, we're ready to become superintendents and, you know, we'll get into this later is sometimes you just, you think I have to take this opportunity. I'm never going to have this opportunity again. Like I have to start somewhere. And maybe for some people that would have been okay for them. Maybe they were in a season of their life where they didn't have as many responsibilities that, that I had. And maybe they, this is what they, they would have done and they could have done it. But for me in my situation and my family, it would have been, it would almost been a, a career killer for me. It would have been, I feel like it would have almost been like my previous career where I got, I burned myself out. And, and I wasn't going to do that again here in this industry with something that I knew I had a huge, long future with. Do you get a chance to talk with enough folks in the industry where you've heard either first or secondhand stories of, folks making a move that wasn't right for them and burning out a lot more quickly than they should have? You know, I, I can't say that I have. I haven't, I haven't met those individuals who moved too quickly, but I can, I can tell you that I've talked to a lot of people in the industry, and they, they tell me that they wish they didn't go so hard mm-hmm. at work and they spent more time um, with the things that really matter, um, that – you know, this job is important, but it's not who we are. Who we are is that that aura around us, whatever whatever that is for individuals. For me, I'm a father and a husband and a son, um, and 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 I and I have to keep those things, everything in perspective and everything in balance. And you know, I like I said, I've talked to the guys, and they're like, man, I just wish I would have taken that day off. Right. I wish I would have spent more time and gone to these things to see my kids kind of grow up more. I, I listen to that stuff and I, and I pay attention to it and, and I take it to heart because 
I, I don't want to miss my daughter growing up, man. She's great. She she keeps me on my toes. So I I I, w- I want to be there, um, and I want to be present. Not just be there, but I have to be present. And if I'm working 70 hours a week, I'm not present because I am beat. I am absolutely destroyed. I'm in a very similar position to you, a five-year-old, and I don't want to miss anything with her. She just had a birthday, so until a couple of days ago, we both had four-year-olds, and and it is just so much fun. I actually thought she'd be in the studio with me right now, uh, coloring quietly, but when I told her that it was time to go, she had no interest in leaving the house, so she's probably doing something on a tablet. Um, I don't doubt. I don't doubt. <laughs> what were some of the changes that you made after that job offer? You, you, you were burning out. You were, you were short with folks, like you said, uh, on the course. You were, you were frustrated uh, and tired at home. What were some of the changes, Chad, that you made either out of the gate or over those next few months? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I first, the, the first changes that I did was I looked at what I had instead of what I didn't have at the, at the place that I was at. I had a relatively young staff um, who were eager to, to learn, and um, that's hard to find these days. Um, and instead of showing them guidance, I had shown them my frustration. So I decided to be more open-minded um, about what they were doing and stop judging others by the mistakes they made and, and adopting more of an attitude towards grace and mercy because, I mean, I've, I've received that tenfold. Um, you know, nobody wants to be judged by what they're doing wrong. I, I try to look at people and look at what they do when they do make mistakes and meet them where they're at and help them to develop from that point on. I decided that um, I needed to be a better trainer because how would they know what 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 my expectations are if I don't set them out. A lot of these guys, I mean, we, you know this, we have a, such a high turnover in this industry mm-hmm. that you, you spend majority of your time, not the majority, but you spend a lot of your time training people on something that you just trained somebody for the past three months. They'll, they're, they're gone. You've got summer help, you've got fall help, you've got spring help, you've got, and it's hard to keep, people together and people coming back. So it, it seems monotonous. It seems pointless because who knows where they're going to be. But I find that if you take the time to teach people exactly what you want, you tell them why you're doing what you're doing, they take ownership in that, and they're more likely to take uh, a little bit more pride in what they're doing. And then when you do have to redirect somebody, they know that you're coming from a place of really caring and not just not just harking on them. So it was, it was a real kind of, it was a, it was a kind of a, a flip the switch moment for me. And, and, and I just, I made a conscious effort to just be kinder and to be more understanding and to know that I, I was in these individual shoes myself at one time. And I had somebody that took the time to teach me. And I know what that brought in my professional and personal life. So, yeah, I, I, you just kind of have to take that, that macro look at everything and, and, and know that, you know, people are going to make mistakes and, and they don't want to be yelled at. No one wants to be yelled at. I don't want to be yelled at. So 
just be kind, man. That's all you got to do. Just be kind. Yeah. Be curious. Be kind. Not yeah. ju- not judgmental. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. It was it was it was a real moment in my life that it was either you go this way or you go that way. And I am so grateful that I went the direction that I went because I was I was I was miserable. I was just I was just miserable. And it wasn't anybody's fault but my own. Right? It was it was all me and my doing and my unrealistic expectations and me thinking that I had all the answers and I was missing what was going on. Um, and and you can't get that time back but you can move forward and you can you can make the best of what you have. A lot of times it's easy to look back, I think, mm-hmm. and realize that you've had an inflection point you've had you've had that robert frost two paths diverged in a wood and i took the one less traveled by right uh but it's it's not always easy to identify that point when you're on the path and it sounds like you've had that a couple of times first when you switched over uh from substance abuse counseling to to turf and here Mm -hmm. when when you could have gotten the head the head job and you stuck out and you, you picked the route with better timing and, and better for you and your family. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. My, my uh, boss, David Hardesty, told me something today, and it, and it really made me feel good. He said, uh, uh, you're a real forward thinker, Chad. And I, and I looked at that, and I said, I mean, that's a, that's a high compliment for me because I have a tendency to kind of look backwards instead of looking forward. So for someone to recognize that now in my life and for somebody that I respect to, to say something like that uh, really means a lot to me. You write that you learned the importance of timing uh, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of other things that have kind of changed over time since that. What else, what else have, have you changed? What, what's changed uh, in your life and your work? What's improved since that inflection point? I I started educating myself more on how to be a proper leader. Um, I started reading leadership books, um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey, Multipliers by Liz Wiseman, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Wilnick and Leif Babin. Um, I really dove into those books and I processed them instead of just kind of flipping the pages and I picked up a lot of good, uh, healthy habits and, and good ways to communicate to people and to um, think about things in a different way rather than just kind of single-minded. I have different perspectives on things. I, uh, I completed the GCS AA Assistant Superintendent Certificate Series. Nice. Congratulations on that, too. Thank, thank you. Um, they cover areas like agronomy, business, Leadership and Communications and Environmental Stewardship. Um, with that, um, I was um, able to get a scholarship to the Green Start Academy. Um, kind of waiting on that to materialize with COVID. Um, last year, things kind of got thrown out of the mix. But I'm hopeful that either this year or next year, I'll be able to go to that. My um, my boss, David Hardesty, and, and his old assistant, who is now the superintendent of a course down the road called Holiday Farms, uh, Nate Brown, they are both Green Start 
um, graduates, and they they loved it. So I'm I'm, I'm really hopeful that I can I can get into that. And you know, it's at uh, Pinehurst, which is mm-hmm. I mean, come on now, <laughs> you know, get just, just just get out there, man. Just to say that I was at Pinehurst would yeah. be would be would be awesome. I I enrolled and I took Tyler Bloom's assistant career pathing workshop. Um, and that's actually where the first time I met Guy. He he was a guest speaker one day. Right, and that's I right. Kinda, yeah, I touched I touched base with him and you know talked to him. And me and him were the first people on the Zoom, so I sat there and you know told him my my life story. And and then you know you know in in Tyler's class we we really worked on you know career mapping and personal branding and interview and resume BPMs and and all of these. These, these last two things were great ways for me to network. And that was something that I hadn't necessarily done in the past. I, I can't emphasize to anybody who's listening to this the importance of networking, to talking to people, to getting out there. You might think that you're bothering people, but a lot of the people in the industry want to tell you things and they want you to be involved in things. I, I took a, I know I, I got enrolled in our, um, the Indiana GCSAA. Um, I started taking an interest in golf course architecture. Hmm. I love it. I love it. Um, you know, I read Tommy's Honor, uh, Bury Me in a Pot Bunker. This Cabin Hills was designed by Pete Dye. So I read Bury Me in a Pot Bunker and, and um, The Spirit of St. Andrew, Alistair McKenzie. And listened to podcasts like Tartan Talk. It's on the Superintendent Radio Network and I fully immersed myself in this industry on a level that um, is almost obsessive, I'd say, but it wasn't over the top. I, I didn't, I didn't take away from what was around me, and I did this stuff, um, you know, on my own time. And I started taking ownership for my own situation and, and where I was at, and um, I've reaped the benefits of this and the work that I put in um, and you know I'm a, I'm a nut I'm a nut when it comes to this. I'm an education nut and I, I don't think you can ever stop learning there's always things to, to read trade magazines everything um, there's always something that you can learn and having the ability to be kind of multifunctional when it comes to not just the agronomy but the business side and the, the, uh, the architectural side and the environment environmental stewardship side really enables me to have a better perspective and and to really keep pushing myself to be better. If you spend enough time with not only architecture books, but just golf books in general, you are going to go down a rabbit hole that you might never, never emerge from, Chad. <laughs> I know. I, I, I've recognized that. I've I, I find myself um, staying up way past my bedtime reading these, uh, these, these great pieces of literature. And uh, when I tell my wife, she uh, kind of gets this glazed look in her eyes. But, uh, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, it's for me, right? It, 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 it gives me joy and it, it gives, me, uh, gives me happiness to, to, to dive into this kind of stuff. And who knows, maybe, uh, I don't know if you're 
your wife golfs at all, but your daughter is at that age that uh, mm-hmm. she may have some interest. She may go out for a hole or two, or she may go to the the range. Uh, who knows? Maybe maybe she'll get the bug, and in thirty years she'll be on Tartan Talks episode number whatever it's up to four hundred and twenty five or something, talking <laughs> with uh, talking with guy <laughs> who will probably yeah. still be doing the show then uh, still be doing it. about yeah. about her first courses. As one of the youngest members of the ASGCA, who knows? That that would that would be that would be great. I, I would have no qualms with that at all. So before I let you go, uh, just the not that the whole conversation hasn't been practical and useful. I think it has been for for a lot of people. I hope it has been. But are there any other pointers, any other life lessons that you've learned over the last year or two uh, through through all of this that you would pass along to? I guess not just assistants, but really anybody uh, in the industry who who feels like they're they're ready for a change. Yeah, I think I think the first thing that I would do is I would ask for honest feedback from those around you, the people that you're closest to know you the best, and if and if you can get them to to and you can be willing to listen to what you your strengths and weaknesses are from an outside entity um, that can really help you to um, sharpen those areas and to hone in those areas. Um, you know, don't, for the assistants out there, don't just take a, a, a job just so you can be a, a, a super. Um, there's going to be the right place that comes up for you. If, you. if you have done your due diligence and you feel like the first opportunity that you have is where you need to go, go for it. But, Make sure that you do your homework. Make sure you weigh all the pros and cons um, and really reflect on what the priorities are in your life now, what they may be in three years, five years. I know that's hard to do, but you, you really have to look at what, you're, what you want your quality of life to look at, uh, look like, sorry, look like down the road. Um, does, does the... Does the opportunity pigeonhole you, or is there more growth potential within the organization? Is that important to you? Um, I I had a, and I say it in my article, I had a lateral move with vertical implications. So I moved from an assistant to being an assistant. But where I'm at now, there's um, a huge opportunity for growth. Um, there's the potential to be building uh, two more golf courses within, within the next five years. Um and I, I'm hopeful and I'm optimistic that I'll be able to be a part of that grow-in and development of that. Um, and that was a big thing that was a selling point for me was um, I needed to know, I needed to be in a place that could continue to help develop me and that was training me to move on, not just to stick around. And, and Chatham has done that tenfold. David lets me be a part of, everything and he is a great teacher um and i'm and i'm and i'm eternally grateful for those guys bringing me on um and you know the last thing would be make sure you stop and smell the roses where you're at um i I do believe that growth can happen anywhere and it can even happen when you think that you've outgrown your current situation make sure that you're looking at it from an a a perspective that's not just 
um, short list. Make sure you're looking at where you're at and that in the long term it's going to be it's going to be able to provide everything that you need. And if it can't, just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep doing what you're doing. You're 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 doing great. You know, everybody needs to be encouraged. And some people don't get that encouragement like, like I do. Well, I'm here to let them know that you're, you're doing great and you're being recognized and your time will come. Um, just make sure that that time is, is the right time for you. An impromptu pep talk, even just into the other <laughs> over a podcast, is, I think, always welcome. There's, there's one pot comedy podcast that I listen to that every week they end with these kind of funny pep talks. I don't think we've ever yeah, had a pep talk on the Superintendent Radio okay. Network. I loved that. That was Thanks. great. Thank you. That, 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 that's, that's what I'm here for. We all need some encouragement from time to time. So I'm glad that I was able to give uh, a first for you guys. Excellent. Chad Allen, again, is an assistant superintendent at the club at Chatham Hills in Westfield, Indiana. His current column, perfect timing in the August issue. And you said before we pressed record that you've got another one already in the works. I thought this one would be perfect for the Turf Heads Takeover 6 issue in December, but I guess you've got another one for that as well. So you'll have two bylines in the same calendar year. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic. I, I, uh, I can't thank uh, you guys, you and you and uh, Guy, for giving me the opportunity to to spread my wings and to to do something that um, has opened up a lot of doors for me. And, and if there's people out there that are listening and that um, have thought about writing something, do it. Just do it. Write it. Send it. And you guys, you guys are quick to respond. You guys get back to people. You, you're honest. You, 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 you encourage us. I mean, I, I, I've got the bug now. Like I like, I like doing the right. I, I like, I like, I like being in that mix. And I, I'm not sure exactly why I like it yet, but I know that I do. And if there's, if, if there's people in there, just, just send it, and 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 you will be grateful that you did because. It's going to grow yourself professionally and personally, and it's 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 fun. It's exciting. And we do accept submissions year-round. The Turf Heads mm-hmm. Takeover issue deadline is Friday, November 5th, so still plenty of time to get those in if you have a column or a story in you. Uh, it could be anywhere from 650 or 700 words on up, and Chad, I'm already excited to read whatever you send in next. I appreciate that, Matt. Thank you. My thanks again to Chad Allen, Assistant Superintendent at the Club at Chatham Hills in Westfield, Indiana, for sharing his story. And my thanks to all of you for listening to all the podcasts on the Superintendent Radio Network. New episodes of Off the Course, Greens with Envy, Tartan Talks, and Beyond the Page drop pretty much every week, normally on Tuesdays. Our August issue is online now at www.golfcourseindustry.com slash magazine with Chad's column, all our regular columnists, plus features about courses in Oklahoma and on Hilton Head Island, tournament prep talk in Ohio, tree tips, and more. Even more stories, even beyond that, and news are available in our fast and firm email newsletter that's delivered every Tuesday to your inbox. If you have not already and you want it, sign up directly on our homepage at www.golfcourseindustry.com.
For Golf Course Industry Editor-in-Chief Guy Cipriano and the rest of our great team, I'm Matt Lowell, reminding you we could not do what we do without you. Thanks so much for listening.